the bride of Christ, to stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom. We recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the powers of the air. We are a ministry of prayer, and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe. We provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. all night your host today i am so honored to be with you today listen we have the honor of having apostle barbara williams from cleveland ohio how you doing apostle i'm doing well and yourself i am doing well listen bride i met this woman in Ohio when I was in the north part of my tour and I tell you what, I was so impressed with her ministry. She has trained her people well. They was very welcoming and they uh all knew their parts, like the people that worked at tables and the people that greeted me and all that. <laughs> so it just made a guest person feel very welcome. So I would like for y'all to hear a little bit about Barbara Williams. Now, this is her bio. The ministry of the Watchman began in 1990 as a prophetic teaching and intercessory prayer ministry. It began with the vision of Barbara Williams, who felt a strong desire to teach and train people who would be skilled in warfare according to the biblical functions of the Watchman. Knowing the need in the world for prayer, Barbara obeyed the call of God to develop the ministry into a format that is easily taught to all believers. Responding to the word in Habakkuk 2.2 to write the vision down and make it plain upon tablets that he who sees it may run with it. She developed the prayer manuals that are used internationally by watchmen. This ministry is also a training area for ministry gifts, school of the prophets, as the believer's ministry is taught and practiced according to Mark 16, 17, and 18. Our vision is to see a great outpouring of the Spirit of God that will release souls to be one into the kingdom of God. Our vision is to occupy until the Lord comes and see the whole earth filled with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the seas in Habakkuk 2.14. Oh, listen, Apostle, I tell you what, you definitely have the heart of discipleship. We need that today. Amen. Yes, we do, and it's something that's God-given, and I think if we all would yield to it, we could could be faithful to make sure that people grow in the knowledge of God. And that's part of the Great Commission. We're not just to win souls and leave them out there. 
but to make disciples of all men. So that's very much a part of the call of God on all believers. Yes. Now, uh, please tell the bride, you are involved in three different centers, right? You're involved in Detroit. Tell us where all you have uh, places. Well, we have watches. We call them watches because that's what they are, you know, where God sets you up. You set up a watch. And so what that means is that you are permanently stationed in these areas. Um, And it depends on the amount of time that God wants you to be there uh, establishing uh, his his authority in those areas. So uh, we have Cleveland, we have Detroit. And we have Toledo, which is kind of a midway point between the two. But we do keep a watch on what we call the Great Lakes area here. And uh, that is for the Lord to, you know, and and that is not to say nobody else can pray where we pray. We're not trying to own anything or (laughs) corner anything. But, but, you know, the devil's busy everywhere, you know. And and so the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned. I'm like Moses when... They were jealous of him that he prophesied. He said, man, I wish you all could prophesy, you know. Uh, right. This is a gift that, that God has given to edify and build up and profit everybody. So uh, there's no jealousy here. There's no exclusivity. Um, we would welcome anybody who wants to join to join us. And uh, But we do have three, three uh, watches and three positions where we're stationed here. Uh, in the Great Lakes area, and they have been here for 20, um, close to 25 years now. And wow, that's a long time. And listen, Apostle, you have written how many books, 18 books? You know what, we were trying to count them when you said 18. I said, that sounds like a lot, but then I remember we counted, I know I remember counting more than a dozen or 15 some time ago, and we had yeah. some, so that's probably probably about right. I write mostly on the ministry of the watchman. I write a lot on healing and miracles. I write a lot on prayer um, and uh, on prophetic ministry. Um, I have books, uh, prophetic people. God wants us to be prophetic people. So the prophet ministry and anointing is to minister and build up everybody. Uh, Again, nobody's trying to be exclusive and we're not trying to be special, but you do have to function in what God gives you, so that's what he's given me. <laughs> so that's, that's how we roll, as you know from our T-shirts, right? <laughs> yes. Now, if you don't mind sharing with the bride, what is your story? What did God do to bring you to this point of 25 years of ministry? Oh, well, how far do you want me to go back to the point when I, when I got saved, when I met the Lord, and, and I could start from there if you like. Um, yes, what it is is uh, we send these testimonies off to prisoners to show them that God can take anyone if you will just surrender and turn their life around. So please tell us, yes. Okay. Um, uh, in 1980, I had a nervous breakdown. I had been married seven years, and uh, my husband came up one day and told me he wanted a divorce, and he didn't want to be married anymore, and uh, I didn't realize then, and, and like so many times, you know, after you, you're born again and you look in the Word and you see how uh, God has has a success way to do things, and, and then anything other than that is not success way of doing things. And I wasn't saved at the time, and he wasn't either. 
And, you know, we're just trying as best we could to make a life like most people do when they start out. Right. You know, you have all kinds of great ideas and you you think you can make one another happy and you just really can't do it without God's power in your life and, and to be guided and led by his word. You can't have a successful, any kind of relationship without a covenant that provides for the forgiveness of sins and forgiveness one for another. And I guess we had gone as far as we could go, um, you know, as unbelievers. And I thought to myself, I said, well, this doesn't seem right. And I kept trying to think, what what did I do wrong? And I, in, in my mind, it was something that could be fixed, but I couldn't figure out how to fix it. And the yeah. more I stayed in, in my own mind and my own understanding, uh, the more depressed and discouraged and more of a failure I felt, and I wound up having a nervous breakdown and winding up in a mental hospital. And for me, that was the bottom because I was, uh, at the time, I had uh, started a, a second, third, or fourth career. I can't figure out which one it was, but you know how it is. You can start a lot of things, and, and if you're called of God to preach the gospel, none of it's going to work, you know. And so here I was trying Amen. to... Uh, I was trying to uh, do a, have a business and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I had been a nurse, and uh, to me, going to the mental hospital was the last worst thing that could ever happen to you. But I went and humbled myself. And um, as I was, was uh, uh, there and understanding what God, you know, God's place in my life, I reflected on um, a situation that happened in, in the business that I was working. I was a hairdresser, and um, I, there was a woman that would come in and give her testimony. She's passed away now, but she's been a, she was a good friend of mine over the years, for many years. She would give her testimony, and I could never figure out if the people enjoyed what she was saying or if they were mocking her secretly, but... I kind of was, you know, listening to her and thinking, boy, she should shut up. That's embarrassing. Oh, boy, she's telling that. Oh, boy. And it was that kind of um, carnality in my soul that kept misunderstanding what a real testimony is. And I guess really you can say this. As a believer, a testimony blesses you uh, and, and edifies you as a believer in a different way than it would if you're an unbeliever. As an unbeliever, you're trying to fight it off with that, you know, mentality of criticism and, you know, that kind of thing. But for some right. reason, her testimony kept coming back to me and kept coming back to me. And I remembered what she said about being saved. And I said, God, I think that's what I need. I need to be saved. Something is not right here. And uh, I was having panic attacks, and I felt that I was going to, you know, die at any minute. And, and I thought about it. I said, I, I think if I died, I'm not sure if I'd go to heaven or hell. And so I asked the Lord into my life. Nobody prayed with me. Nobody prayed for me. Um, God just sovereignly led me to himself. And um, that's what I encourage people you know, pray for people who aren't saved. Pray for your unsaved loved ones because God knows how to reach them and knows how to find them. And uh, he knows how to set you up for salvation. And so that's how I was born again. And <clears throat> because I was uh, uh, had a nervous breakdown, I would stay in the house a lot and wouldn't go out. Uh, but God saw me through that. He saw me through the hospital stay and 
people there gave me some tools to work with, and, and uh, I had the Word, and I studied the Word continually. I watched, I was smart enough to turn on television to find some Christian programming. Um, I watched everybody's show, but I, I finally wound up really um, getting a lot out of the 700 Club when they would come home, because, come on, because they were just, kind of like normal people, very relatable, and uh, but there was such power there in their ministry when they would pray. And so little by little, God taught me how to um, just rely on him and trust him and trust his word. Uh, every time I needed something, I could find somebody on television that could give me an answer, and because I was housebound, I would have panic attacks. I couldn't go out. I couldn't drive. I couldn't do anything, Man. so God had to bring everything to me. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yes, Lord. Yeah. So he was, God was faithful, and there's, you know, you can't tell me God won't reach you where you are, because I know that through experience. So uh, I can tell anybody just to trust God and pray and ask him for what you need, and he will bring it to you. Um, so little by little, I had really prayed and asked the Lord at that time about my marriage, and, and I said, mm-hmm. well, God, you know, uh, I knew my husband had been married before. Um, he, I don't think he really was serious about the marriage, he or the girl, and, uh, you know, that ended in divorce. But I knew that he had been wounded a lot, and I wasn't sure if, if you know, God wanted us together. I, you know, you just have to ask basic questions. Right. Your answers from the Lord. And I said, well, Lord, I don't know. I said, but... You know, this we're in this marriage now. I said, and if you want me here, you'll let me know, and uh, you'll heal my marriage. And that's exactly what God did. You know, he and we stayed married until he passed away uh, 12 years ago. And so God, yeah, I know God heals marriages. I, I, you know, don't have a lot of patience for people who, you know, just quit and reject and blame the other person and, you know, they're looking for something better and it never shows up, I can tell you, from observing people who have been deceived like that. You know, um, you can forgive and if you forgive, then let God build relationship from there. You You can't build a relationship on unforgiveness, bitterness and anger and blaming and resentment. Uh, yeah. And you can't build relationship when you have an audi- have a haughty attitude, like nobody's good enough for you, and, and that person wasn't good enough for you. Um, that's just not a Christian attitude, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I just believe that God will will fit people together if they will pray and they will seek God and they will do the things. And I know that God will save a marriage by one person wanting the marriage, you know. I see a lot of people say, well, they have to want to stay with you. Well, I don't know about that, you know. I do know that if you will pray, God will answer according to his word. So you got to find word to cover what it is that you need in your life and in your relationships. And so uh, my husband did get saved 10 years after after myself. I prayed for him. Um, I know uh, there weren't many believers in his family. And sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture and understand that God wants a soul saved, not just somebody who's going to make you happy all the time and do everything you think is important to do, but God wants, there's a bigger picture always. There's eternity uh, to be considered. And so um, that's what God had me keep my focus on, was on eternal things, you know. Yeah. God, what's important, 
what's important, and, and it would always be something that had to do with each person. Mm-hmm. And so from that, I was able to understand that, that um, God kept me alive for a reason. He healed me for a reason. He saved me for a reason. And so I prayed one day and told the Lord that if there was anything that I could do for him to help what he thought was important in the earth to let me know, and I would be willing to do it. And I remember telling the Lord, I don't care if, if, if I'm small, I don't care if I'm big, I don't care about anything, I just want to do what you want me to do. And from that, the ministry was born. It wasn't long before he revealed to me uh, what he wanted me to do as far as ministry was concerned. And uh, I've been doing that ever since. I, I started this ministry around 1985 with a house meeting. Um, and then we moved into a church, and then we moved into other places where we sat up and had our meetings. And um, about 20, maybe 20 years ago, 23 years ago, I started having the meetings in Toledo. So we were Cleveland, Detroit. And uh, eventually Toledo, my husband took a job transfer to Detroit. I started in Cleveland, and um, uh, we were thinking I would come back to Cleveland, but it wound up being an apostolic move. It wasn't just a a wife moving to obey her husband and all that kind of stuff. You know, people look at that and, you know, they think, well, you just went up there because your husband was transferred. Well, you know, if, if God brought you there, uh, in one vehicle, uh, he can switch vehicles and, and get you uh, <laughs> transported into something else. You know, that job transfer was just the vehicle he used to get us there. Uh, so yeah, I just yeah. switched vehicles after I got there. I realized I was supposed to stay planted because there was a lot of work to do in Detroit. And so I began to pray, and God began to send more people, and we set up a second um, uh, chapter of the ministry, and, and so it, it began to grow from there. Um, I want to say something about apostolic ministry. True apostolic ministry is not something that, that starts and you don't have oversight. If you look in the Bible, all of the apostles continue to visit the churches that they had started. Um, I've been stationary at mine because of the type of ministry we are, but, um, you know, you don't just run around trying to be everywhere at one time. You, you really have to work and stabilize your ministry uh, so that it will prosper and flourish. You don't go and start things just to say you've got churches everywhere and they right, never right. really produce any fruit. And so I'm very, very interested in the kind and quality of fruit that's produced when, when, when you see true apostolic ministry and the signs and wonders that come out of that ministry. You can't be an apostle without the healing in uh, deliverance and the signs and the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. So, um, you know, it has to be validated before it can be real. So, um, you know, you just have to know what's, what God's called you to and, and be able to do that. So, um, yes, yeah, so when we started the ministry, um, my sister, uh, Pastor Shirley, you know her, Shirley Camp, uh-huh. she um, took the meeting over in Cleveland for me while I worked in Detroit, and I would come down once a month, and we would have our empowerment meeting. And uh, first we had it in a, a city off of Lake Erie, Catawba, Ohio, and we decided to move it to the Toledo because we just didn't seem to be stable any place other than Toledo. So I realized that was the place where God wanted us to establish another watch. 
so that we would have people praying there consistently and that we would pray there consistently on a monthly basis. So that's how the three three cities got to be established. So um, so it's grown from there. And, of course, our conferences twice a year. We have six healing school miracle services a year, and uh, we're on the road quite a bit. And so we've just always been that way. And, you know, people say, well, why don't – why don't you just have a, a church like other, well, that's not what we were called to do. And um, we've always had the school of ministry first, and the church came on second to that, where most people would do it the reverse. So you have to do what God calls you to do. Um, and I couldn't imagine not having a prayer foundation for any kind of ministry. I would say if God's called you to ministry, start gathering people together to pray first, and don't quit praying, don't quit prayer off to a, once you start getting people in and you start pushing prayer aside, you know, always keep prayer as the, as the ministry that you rely on to, um, to be able to, uh, your vehicle to get you every place else you want to go. So for us, prayer is the ministry. It's not a foundation for something else being a ministry, but prayer is our ministry. So, and we're, we're very happy to do that. We're very happy to pray and we're very happy to um, be watchmen and pray what God, how God tells us to, and and see Him perform miracles, see Him change cities, um, see Him do miraculous things uh, with with the prayer that we've established. Yes. Now let me ask you this: uh, being a woman of prayer that you are, you know, our nation is in a pretty uh, desperate state right now for a move of God. And if you don't mind sharing with the bride, what is it that you are hearing from God that you could either give an exhortation to the bride or a warning? What would you, especially with you being a watchman, this is pretty critical. What would you say? Well, I'm encouraged always um, in God because God is not a quitter. He's not a failure. He he always has a plan for victory. I remember when we were just beginning and I would get to a place where, you know, somebody was praying for something and it wasn't happening fast enough and I would ask God and God would tell me, he said, there's always another prayer to pray. There's always another scripture to find, you know, as long as there's, you know, as long as the earth remains, you know, seed time and harvest. Somebody said, I can produce a miracle for you as long as you, understand that and I never run out of answers and I never run out of power. And so I think uh, if people would would turn their face to God, turn away from their wicked ways, which also includes complaining, false prophecy that we do about doom and gloom and uh, complaining about who's, you know, not doing things right and all, if we could turn from those wicked ways, uh, as uh, Isaiah tells us, you know, choose the fast that God has chosen to put away the pointing of the finger and uh, get in the spirit with God and find out his next strategy, find out his next prayer to pray, find out his next word to stand on. There's always another um, opportunity for the people of God to go forward. You know, God told, he promised that to Solomon. That's been in the Bible uh, since the time of uh, King Solomon, he said, if you get to a place in, in, 
the history of this nation, if, if I turn the waters from heaven off and there's famine, if there's drought, if there's sickness, pestilence, he said, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, you know, just quit trying to know so much, you know, Christians, and quit trying to have all the answers. But turn away from your ways and, and turn your face toward heaven, then God will hear and he'll heal the land. There's, there's healing uh, that God has planned for his people, for this nation, for all people. He's planned healing for us. Um, but we have to turn our faces toward God to get those answers and preclude ourselves um, within God and within his word and within his knowledge, his wisdom, and his power. And then we'll get instruction. And then we'll be able to um, go forth in the power of God and see mighty things take place. Um, you know, God has planned an end-time move of God. You know, we've seen it for many, many years. Many have prophesied about it. Um, I know you have the Smith Wigglesworth prophecy. Um, uh, Dr. Lester Summerall prophesied it. Tommy yes. Hicks, Tommy Hicks the Can- I think Tommy Hicks was Canadian. You'll find all of those prophecies. It's so wonderful because you can go on the Internet. Uh, back in the day when I started, uh, when you get to certain groups, people would be aware of it, and you tried to find a piece of paper that it used to be typed on, you know. But now um, yeah. that information is available so we can all uh, read it and run with it, you know. Yes, amen. Yeah. And so whenever we um, we start to get weary or we start to wonder and and uh, and question and get discouraged or something like that, all we need to do is turn to God and he will refresh us, revive us, and tell us to come to him with great expectation of great mighty things that we've never seen before. And I believe that God is moving even now uh, in places where there's hunger for it. I can say this, if, if uh, you have a hunger for these things and if you would let God put that hunger in you and, and desire to see things better. I mean, sometimes that's all you need to do is want to see things better. Um, God will respond and, and you'll be the Gideon, you know, or you'll be the Deborah, or you'll be the Samson, whoever it is that God chooses, uh, just pull sovereignly because you're crying out for miracles. You're crying out. That's all Gideon did. He said, you know, and told the, the, the angel, he said, well, if God swore us, where are the miracles? And that was the right question. So sometimes it's <laughs> right. <laughs> So he got chosen to be the one to produce him. But you know, just be just be understanding that if you if you're the one asking the question, you've got to be willing to be part of the answer. Amen. Yeah, and God will equip you to be part of the answer. He's not going to pull somebody out who's not equipped and that he can't provide for you the necessary power wisdom and everything that you need to get the job done. And it's never done the way we think it's done. It's always done the way God thinks it's done. Now, Sister, I've got a question for you uh, before we take a commercial break and have you deliver the word. With your ministry being the ministry of the Watchmen, we just had a pastor on here a couple of weeks ago that preached a sermon called, Where Are the Watchmen? 
And it's like, where are the watchmen in America? Come on now. You know, we need to be watchmen on the wall. We wouldn't be in this shape if we had people that were watchmen. So well, I think going to the bride, what a watchman is number one, and then uh, how can we correct our past and become a watchman? Well, I think one of the things that you have to do is earnestly pray and ask God what your function is and your role is because many people are called to pray. I'm not sure how many people are called as watchmen, but it's oh, not. Okay. Yeah, it's not just an easy life, and I think people who ask that question just aren't really in the spirit because whoever whoever is called to pray is praying. I can tell you that right now because yeah. we're on time and we're on schedule for what God wants to do. Uh, yeah. We haven't missed anything. So the watchmen who are really doing their job aren't really, I don't guess, responding to those kinds of, those are like trying to coax people out of where they're supposed to be kind of question, you know, uh, because if, if you want to know where the watchman is, ask God to, to teach you and train you to be one and empower you to be one. Um, sometimes people who ask the questions are the ones who need to respond to the call. I think what people see in the natural is a grave overstatement of what the devil is doing uh, because he is the the prince of the power of the air, and he can disguise himself to look very, very powerful. Uh, Some of the things that he does are so uh, graphic and gruesome that it strikes fear in the heart of people. But just like David was, you know, out tending sheep. I mean, he wasn't a warrior. This is something, this this is an empowerment that God can place on anybody. You don't have to be a name high-powered person that's always running around praying everywhere. You can be a, 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 you know, a housewife with too many children and just start praying in a corner and all of a sudden God opens the heavens to you. And uh, I understand that, that there were several women that Brother Hagen met after a period of time living in Tulsa. He was just curious to know who it was that prayed to open Tulsa up the way it was to with freedom and liberty they had to preach and teach the word of God there. And he he was able to meet, I think, one or two of the women that uh, were watching there and prayed that move of God. But they knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, they knew exactly what their assignment was, and they stayed on their assignment and really did not try and reveal themselves to anybody. Um, they weren't trying to run out and find a lot of other people to pray with them. They prayed their assignment. If God said, go find some people, uh, God would bring the people to them. But pretty much it was uh, several women who were pretty much up in years by the time Brother Hagen found them, and they were still watchmen. They were still praying. They yeah. didn't have time to run around to all of his meetings and pal around with all his friends. <laughs> they were on assignment by God. And so yeah. that's just how this thing works, you know. Uh, but I think if you really want to do something, ask God what your part is. Be willing, though, to be trained, be willing to study, be willing to submit to somebody that God assigns you to because that the biggest problem, I think, with people is nobody wants to sit still and learn anything. And the Lord says, Amen. The Lord showed me this many years ago. He said, I want you to do this, and I want you to stay committed to it because I cannot find many people who will study war. 
And when he said study, he meant study because that's what I study. I study war. The part that he gives me to share with other watchmen, uh, I do that. Um, Our materials have been made available to people uh, for over 20 years now. And I know that there are probably some other watchmen out there who use not only ours but other materials as well and are praying and are on their watch. So these are the, I, I call us the less comely parts of the body of Christ. I really you know, Well, because we're covered. He said he gives us more abundant comeliness because uh, we're covered up. The parts of your body that aren't so attractive are covered up, right? That's true about yeah. everybody. And yeah. so we stay hidden and we stay covered, but he gives us more abundant comeliness because when we, when our ministry is revealed and when our ministry is understood, then everybody says, oh, well, that's how I got my answer, and that's how that thing got done there, and that's how that, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's just, it's a part of God's revelation. If he doesn't want to reveal you so much, uh, it's for his glory. And if, when he does reveal you, that's for his glory, too. So we let God do all of that, and, uh, but we... My job is to keep our band of, of watchmen together and make sure that they're always what, trained watchmen uh, as much as is in my power to do it. Uh, but I can tell you the, the, the fraction of people that will come and will stay and will make this their, their permanent ministry is um, not a large number of people. But it doesn't bother me because God says he can save by many or by few. So all I have to do is make sure that I stay faithful and, and, and keep keep our people faithful to what God has called us to do. Yes, amen. Okay, sister, we're going to take a quick break and come back and allow you to preach. Amen. Sounds good. I guess I better get my Bible out, huh? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Replacing your vision properly through the web? Do you have a website and maximizing on social media platform? Now listen, your online presence is as vital as your personal presence. Visions, communications can help you achieve that vision. We will take your vision and creatively express it to the world. We will partner with you today to reach your perfect target audience, which is solely. Contact us today at www.govisions.us and present your vision to the world in the best way. Amen. All righty, sister, go ahead and preach that word. It's funny because, you know, I was thinking of what some, several things went through my mind and uh, I was trying to settle in on which one I was going to do when I do, usually when I do healing schools, I love to uh, preach on the, the blood of Jesus and uh, I had thought about doing that. And then all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me about the ministry of the alabaster box. 
uh, there is a, a revelation here, and I want to believe that God has uh, placed this as one of the final ministries in the body of Christ. So we were talking about the bride and the end times, and so I'm going to see if I can find very quickly which one of the uh, accounts of this story God wants me to do. There's uh, an account here in Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to read and just going to expound on some things that God has shown me uh, that he wants to see happen in his body, that the body of Christ does need to be anointed. It's something that probably we don't really think about a whole lot, but it's very, very valuable, so let me see. All right, well, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to... Um, just come before you and, and know exactly what it is that you want me to say to your people. And I thank you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for every opportunity that you've ever given me, Lord, to minister to yes, your Lord. I thank you, Father, that this is such an important end-time ministry for the body of Christ. I don't want us to miss yes. it. I don't want us to uh, treat it lightly. I want to make sure that when I I, um, bring this word to your people, that it's brought with understanding. So empower me, Lord. I thank you, and I declare your glory over these airways, over my words, to the hearts of the people, to the ears of the people. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. So Matthew 26, but there is an account in Mark Mark 14, because I think it's important to uh, set the right... uh, Place for it. We'll try Luke 7 and see if that has all the elements that he wants me to bring out. I thank God I keep my Bible open and refer to it when I preach. I don't ever want to be a person that just gets up and rattles off. I think I'll take the one here in um, Mark in Luke chapter 7 because that really has all the elements that, that God wants me to bring out. What you see here, this this situation is what I call a parallel to a gathering of ministers with the speaker after the speaker is preached. And so Jesus met with his disciples. Sometimes people invited them to their home for dinner. And that's what this is. It's a a common situation that, that leadership in the body of Christ always finds themselves in, and that is uh, the back room after the preaching is done, where all the ministers gather together. And uh, But there is also ministry going on there as well. And so because it's at uh, the home of one of the Pharisees, then we, we have to understand that um, God is, is doing something in these kinds of gatherings. He's gathering his leadership together uh, for a time of fellowship with one another. And my question is, who conducts, who rules over that fellowship, what happens over that fellowship, and how can that fellowship be more fruitful and more uh, bodybuilding, building up the body more? Because we have to take every opportunity we can as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ to build one another up and not tear one another down. Yeah. And so we, you yeah. can do either or. When you get together with a bunch of people, your peers, it can be a building up in an anointing situation or it can be a tearing down in a, a separating and dividing situation. It's up to us how we conduct ourselves. 
Yeah. So in Luke chapter 7, I think it's here. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is kind of a long account, but it tells you all the elements you need to know. One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Behold, the woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees, which had uh, had invited him, saw it, he spoke within himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she's a sinner. Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Master, stay on. So there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. The one owed him 500 pence and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? And Simon said, I suppose him to whom have been forgiven the most. And he said, you are rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, see this woman, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you didn't anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with oil. Wherefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven you. And they would set at me with him began to say within himself, who is he that forgives sins also? And he said to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, in this account, you see this alabaster box is being opened, and she's anointed him and, and began to uh, uh, prepare him, really, for his burial. This was a a a great sacrifice on her part to let Jesus have something that was so precious. She gave him the best that she had. And so where Jesus would have expected the host of the home to do this kindness for him, when people came in, they came in from traveling and you offered water to wash their feet with, uh, that was part of normal hospitality. And uh, this Pharisee withholds normal hospitality from Jesus. And then when he says, see somebody else offering that hospitality, he begins to get critical of her. And the alabaster box really represents an anointing, an ointment, and a fragrance that is released when the um, spirit of love rules in an assembly of believers. There's a scripture that tells us how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. That means uh, obeying God, sharing God's love with one another, building one another up, encouraging one another. And so this type of a release of anointing is very precious to God because it's not your ordinary hospitality that's given out between human beings or even believers or even believers in leadership uh, behind closed doors. It's what you do in the secret place and it's what you do behind closed doors that God will reward you openly for. And amen. Amen. And our challenge as believers is to share 
our hearts with one another, to share our gifts with one another, to share God's love with one another, and to be open to give and receive when we're behind closed doors with one another. And so Jesus is pointing out this in this situation, and in another account he says, wherever this gospel is preached, this woman will be mentioned. I'm going to make sure her name is written down as a memorial as the bride of Christ who has important and who has precious things to share one with another. When she opened that alabaster box, the Bible says that whole room was filled with the fragrance. I mean, nobody could mistake that something different. That she changed that whole atmosphere when she came in there because she operated in love. She operated in the spirit of giving. She understood that Jesus was going to face a difficult time. She wept over that. She had an understanding that that he was going to go to his death. All of this she got. Why? Because she loved much, because she had that heart of love that was poured out toward him uh, as the central focus and the object of her affection. And this is what the Bride of Christ in the end time, this is what is going to characterize those of us who really are, are moving with God, who are prepared for what God wants, we will have this type of anointing that when we open up our hearts and we open up our mouths and we open up our hearts, it's Jesus. Jesus is a central part of, of what we are focusing on. He is the center of all of our affection. He's the yeah. center of all of our attention. He is our all in all. We're not trying to figure out. Uh, who's the, the biggest person and who's, who's in sin and who's not in sin, because love covers a multitude of faults. That, that anointing will override all of the junk and all of the jealousy and all of the backbiting, all of the misgivings, all of the faults and flaws. It, it will be a love poured out to such a degree that it will change whole atmosphere. And I am convinced that we have that resident in us at all times. It's just that we don't pour it out too often on one another. We're, we're constantly focused on the sinner and uh, winning souls and building ministry and getting more and getting more and getting more, but we neglect one another as the body of Christ who is in need of what we have. Yes. Amen. Amen. The alabaster box will convert the back room of the preacher's back room after the preaching is done. It will convert it from a um, a place of passing out business cards to get to the next meeting, name dropping to see whose meeting you preached in and do you know so-and-so because they're big and they, they, they're this and they're that. It will convert that atmosphere from one of competition and uh, stepping on one another and making one guy feel small and another one feel real big to a place yeah. of ministry where we can prepare one another for the next thing that's going to happen to us where we might be taken by surprise uh, by an attack of the, the enemy against us 
and will be built up as we go out. It can be a building up of one another. But this is body ministry. This is how the body of Christ ministers to one another, and it is a precious ministry in the sight of God because of, of the analogy to the, the spikenard that was poured out uh, from the alabaster box. And it will permeate the whole atmosphere. In other words, when other people walk into that atmosphere, they will fall in with the flow of the love of God and the true ministry of the Holy Spirit that's going on to build up the body rather than going in and feeling like, uh, well, if I don't have anything important to contribute, I don't feel good here. You know, I've had situations like that where we'll have uh, ministers, I always have a minister's reception at our conferences, and I like for people to gather together and just share in God. And, and sometimes people don't want to come because they feel awkward and out of place. Well, when the alabaster box is open, everybody feels loved. Everybody feels oh, welcome. Everybody feels important. Everybody goes out stronger than when they came in. You're not worried about your next engagement. You're not worried about who knows who and you feel like you don't know anybody. You feel like you're not important because you you don't get to preach with so-and-so and you're not in their circle and you're not the chief prophet here and you're not the head person there. Uh, it's ministry of the body where everybody feels welcome and important and you're gathered in together and, and sharing that anointing. I can tell you that that's one of the main ways to be empowered is by ministering one to another. Uh, people who, who are on the road a lot understand that when you're in a meeting, uh, you need to go to the meetings if you're not preaching because God is going to feed you there. All of that stuff is known. And so as a body of believers, we need to take it a step forward. Uh, step further so that we can have true one-on-one -on -one ministry one to another just as we share in the breaking of bread or as you share in conversation. Just let the love of God flow and the peace of God flow that will build us up and will take us from one level of glory to the next level of glory. And nobody will right. be lacking in anything. Nobody will be lacking in being empowered. If you'll go where God tells you to go, and be where you're invited to be. I know that God will build you up and God will help you and, and God will minister to you. So um, that ministry is going to be very, very important in time because we are going to have people who are going to suffer greater persecution. We're going to have leaders yeah. who will be misunderstood. And we are going to have to dig deep into the love of God to understand how to get restoration into the lives of people who are just battle-weary and being attacked by the enemy. And so the judgmentalism is going to have to go out of the window. Uh, we're going to have to quit being uh, more important than the next member of the body. Uh, we can't say that because you're not an eye or an ear or a hand that uh, you're not necessary and nobody needs you. We're, we're going to have to learn how uh, to dig into God and get that alabaster box open and get that true fragrance out, that true anointing out, that's uh, a burial anointing, but it's also a resurrection anointing. Uh, it'll bury the, the flesh and, and the deeds of the flesh and the carnality of, of persons, and it'll bring forth the true love and character of Christ that, that's deep within all of us, uh, but we don't let it manifest very often because of, of uh, different things, you know, entering in. And so uh, when we... 
when we start to flow in that freely and we start to know it's available to us as believers and as a body of believers, uh, there will be greater strength in the, the ministry. There will be greater empowerment. We won't have so many people left out of the anointing that they need uh, for to do a, a job that God can confirm their words with signs following. We're going to have a true uh, alabaster box ministry, and that is for the body of believers. It was poured onto the Lord's body, and so that is for all of us. It, it's not for the Lord in this aspect, but now it's being poured out so that his body can be whole, can be healed, and can be one, and can be empowered. And um, it's a beautiful ministry. I know when, when I go and I go places to minister, I'm always uh, wanting to be able to sit and to share with the other ministers. Now, you may get an opportunity to do it. You may not. And I want them to share things with me, you know, things that they uh, understand are important in their ministry and how their ministry functions and flows. And, and yeah. as that, that gets poured out of us, it becomes a, a – it changes the whole atmosphere um, from competitiveness, competition, lording it all over one another or ignoring one another because we think somebody's not worthy and so forth until where we're all important before God and we all have an equal opportunity to receive of that. So uh, it's a very, very important ministry, a very important ministry. It it will prepare you for everything. Uh, Jesus was going to his death, and uh, he said that this woman has anointed me for my burial. And so, but uh, nobody thought that the resurrection was coming shortly after that. So we believe that this woman had faith for his burial and for his resurrection, and she was one of the few people on earth who had the faith for that because the disciples didn't believe it. When he was raised from the dead, they still didn't believe. And so there must be faith on earth. That's what Jesus is looking for. He said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Faith for what? For preaching the gospel and for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's going to be one of those times where uh, we we want to stay in the presence of God. We want to know the tangible glory of God in our lives. And I believe that this type of body ministry is going to be essential to our going forth as a body in demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn Amen how to keep to that. One Yeah, we're going to learn how to keep one another healed. We're going to learn how to keep one another out of deception and out of strain. Um, and uh, it, it's just a good ministry. It's an excellent ministry. And I think because it was saved to the end of Jesus' life, it will be saved for the end of the life of the body of Christ down here on earth in this dispensation. It's a rare ointment. It's a rare unction. But I believe it's it's one that God will pour out uh, to us uh, if we'll desire to be uh, a help to one another, an encouragement to one another, and to sustain one another. When we truly love one another and quit seeing each other's competition and uh, start seeing hey. one another's as brothers and sisters and friends and yeah. we love one another, uh, then we'll see this outpouring. Uh, and this is what kept the early church together. I believe there was an alabaster box anointing. That's how Peter got out of prison so quick. That's how the disciples, the apostles, would get out of jail. Prison doors would open. Uh, if that's mm. not the love of God, 
through the body of Christ. I don't know what is. And and uh, we see that. They were having a meeting of prayer. Uh, and at the time that they were praying for Peter to get out of jail, he got out of jail. They were so given over to prayer and fellowship and loving one another, they didn't even think that was Peter at the gate when he came and, and appeared at the gate. They, because they were given over to that spirit of fellowship and love and prayer. And so uh, I believe we'll, we'll see those kinds of miracles. We'll, we'll quit judging whether a minister is right or wrong and just say, you know what, that's a brother of trouble. Let's petition God to get him out of trouble and let God decide. <laughs> we don't want man deciding these things anymore. We want God to decide these things. And uh, I, I think it's a beautiful thing to anticipate that there is more coming. There's more help coming for, for God's people. Uh, and there's more help coming for, for the sinner who is in the world as well because this woman was a sinner. But she was included in that wonderful uh, place of fellowship with the Lord and with his apostles. She was a part of that. And so you can see there's no uh, big or small parts in the body of Christ. Everybody's a part of the body if they'll respond to the love of God. And uh, so I'm, I'm anticipating greater things, not more trouble from the devil. The devil never, he's never won anything in his life. You know, right. he can't he can't even mm-hmm. win what we call a $2 scratch off in a, a, a lottery or something. You know, those little tickets they sell you in the convenience <laughs> store? Yeah. <laughs> you, you get a, he's never won a $2 scratch off, honey. He's oh, Lord. Pathetic. And he, his influence is flawed. You know, as soon as the anointing shows up, his power is broken just like that. And so um, we don't want to give him any more shouting room than he's already got. He's already making too much noise for me. So we just believe God and we know that more is coming, more strength is coming to the body of Christ. Yeah. I believe people are going to get freer in their giving. Um, there won't be less giving. There will be more. Uh, I think because the, the love of God will prevail in these things. That That's the missing element sometimes is just petitioning God for more of him, making room for it, uh, and and being obedient when it does show up, being obedient to those things uh, when they come into an atmosphere. But uh, the, the body of Christ will function as a body. Um, and we have that on good authority from the Lord. Uh, because he calls us a body, uh, we'll begin to, all the joints and bands will come together, we'll be fitly joined together uh, into a great spiritual house. Uh, we're going to not break rank. Everybody's going to walk in there, and we'll be pleased with our role and, and comfortable with who we are. Uh, we're going to walk in our own path and uh, not thrust one another and not, pierce one another and, and all yeah. of those things that, that sometimes the flesh is heir to, we won't be in that kind of condition. We'll be in a lot better condition. Uh, and we're getting there, you know. Um, yeah. I see it in, in some of the ministries that continually preach healing. I'm so thankful for the healing ministry uh, in the earth because uh, we're, we're showing the love of God through keeping his people well. Soldiers can't fight if their bodies are they can't fight if their minds aren't healed, if their minds aren't renewed. And so we have wonderful, wonderful people teaching the Word of God, teaching the Bride of Christ to assume her rightful identity with a renewed mind, understanding who God called her and what her capabilities are, what her function is, what she can do in the earth, 
walking in that um, and, and uh, proving her ministry, giving full proof of her ministry. And uh, so it's going to get, the glory is going to increase. It's going to get greater. Um, it's not something that is a wish or a maybe, but it's there. We're, we're touching into it now uh, little bit by little bit. And um, it comes in like waves. It'll come in in a wave, and then the wave, wave will recede go back into the ocean, then a greater wave will come back in again, and then pretty soon it's water to swim in. And um, But we can work in those those little tidal pools that we get. We can we can work miracles in those as well. So God's just acclimating us to his glory. You know, he really is. He's acclimating us to his glory. But his glory is all over his body. It's all over his body. It's in every part of his body. So I'm well, I'll very, tell very you what, Brad, if that's not encouraging, I don't know what is. Listen, we are hearing this from an apostle. Do y'all understand what is happening right here? This is a woman that God has changed to uh, download into her the ministry of the watchman. I mean, we have highlighted many ministers on this broadcast, and we know that what has ever happened in their life is what has caused their ministry. Like wherever their greatest attack was is where God turned it around and thus started a ministry. So we are hearing from an expert, people, about the bride and about what she sees coming, the watchman. She's telling the bride, hold on, we're okay, we're going to make it, we're going to pull together, we're going to be in unity. We're going to be able to do this. That's huge. She's not speaking gloom and doom. She's not speaking fear into the bride. She's telling you, be encouraged. Come on now. We can do this. And so, bride, I encourage you to be encouraged today. Hear her heart, what she's saying to us. Now, sister, I want to ask the bride across the world to come together in agreement with me to pray for you and to pray for your ministry that God would bless you and bless your ministry. Amen. Amen. That's wonderful. I appreciate it. Yes. Here we go, Bride. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for her being on this broadcast today, Lord. We thank you, God, for the seed that she implanted into the Bride today, Lord. And I pray that everyone listening to this mm-hmm. broadcast, no matter what point in time it is, because the archives are more important, it doesn't matter when they're listening to this, be encouraged, Bride, and we thank you that she spoke that into us, Lord. So we speak blessings into her life, blessings into her ministry, Lord, favor into her ministry, Lord, favor in all of the cities that you are placing her in, that you are causing to be a watchman like the lighthouse in the city. We just pray as the Bride across the world, surrounding her with love, Surrounding her with encouragement, with hope, sending forth a host of angels, asking you, Lord, to send forth a host of angels down to each location to be with every one of those leaders of those cities, Lord, bringing them favor with everyone in those cities, governments, city leaders, Lord, pastors, Lord, people that they need to connect with, Lord, in order to achieve her mission. Amen. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one that implanted this and impregnated this into her, Lord. She birthed this thing into the earth, Lord, and as the bride, 
We are helping her to cultivate it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we are cultivating this vision in prayer, Lord. We are plowing it to the heavens, Lord, because you say that you collect the prayers of your people and you put them before you in a bowl and receive it in the nostrils, Lord. So we thank you. We're coming together in agreement, Lord. Is your people asking you, Lord, to bless your daughter, to take her to her fullness of her destiny, Lord. We pray health into her body, Lord, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, increasing in every area that she needs, Lord, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. That means finances. That means relationships, Lord. That means favor, Lord. That means increasing in the downloads of the prophetic downloads of the tools and strategies that she's going to need, Lord, increasing her dreams, Lord, expanding her borders, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for the honor of being here with her today. We thank you for the honor of receiving from her today. And, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank Thank you for her life. Thank Thank you, Lord, for what you have done in her. We give you glory. And we give you honor and praise today, Lord, for Apostle Williams, Lord. We thank you for her so much. And, Lord, we give you glory and honor today for our sister. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, sister, if you would please, um, I feel like there's somebody listening that um, maybe they don't know what they're called to do. So Uh maybe pray since you lead those prophetic schools. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, I pray for those people who are in a question, uh, you know, in a corner, maybe questioning what it is that they're supposed to do, Lord. Even for those people who have many possibilities before them and are trying even to reach out and and make some decisions right now. Father, for those people who have not uh, come fully into a knowledge of you, uh, that that in that knowledge they would see a reflection of who they really are in you. And I think, Lord, from that reflection they can begin to identify who they are just in your word. Father, your word says that if we would seek you with all our hearts, we would find you. Let them find who they are. Let yes, them find Lord. the believer. Let them find the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher within them, Lord so that they can identify that and they can go forth, not with a title, but with a true identity, Father. I thank you, Lord, that when David was a shepherd, he was already a warrior, though nobody recognized it or called him that. I thank you, Lord, that we already have deposits and seeds of who we are working within us, and I ask you, Lord, to make it so clear to them that it would be unmistakable, Father. You have a way to bring clarity, You have a way to bring understanding. You have a way to bring knowledge to us that when we get it, it's unmistakable. I thank you, Lord, that if they need a word from from, uh, one of your ministry gifts, a word from a prophet, that they would stand before them and they would tell them who they truly are as far as what you see, Lord. I thank you, Father, for you raising up many, many, many servants and many, many people, uh, laborers, into your field, Father, that we all first start out as laborers. We don't start out with a title, but we all start out as believers and laborers. So I thank you, Lord, to release those people into your harvest field to labor and to work for you and that they would bring forth fruit that remains 
fruit that is stable, fruit that is for you. And this is what's important. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord, for their true identity coming forth without fail. This will not fail. But it will be a true work, and it will be of you, and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Sister, it was wonderful being with you today. Same here. I've enjoyed it immensely. And, um, you know, preachers, we could talk all day and all night. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. I really honor, too, what you're doing in Detroit, Michigan. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, I keep hearing people say stuff about Detroit this and Detroit that. I've never believed it. I uh, I remember uh, Dr. Benson Itahosa. I don't know if you're familiar with ministry. He passed on maybe about close to 15 years ago. His wife is still ministering. But uh, some Satanists wanted to, to have a, a convention in his city and People kept asking him what he thought about it, and he went and prayed and asked God. He said, well, what do I tell them what I think about it? Uh, so the Satanist said, I'm going to have a meeting, and even God can't stop me. And, and, and Archbishop Idahosa said, no, he's not, because I'm here to do it. And so when you're called of God, you're the sheriff in that town. Remember that, y'all. You're the one who's going to stop the devil. If you see him moving, that's your job to stop him. And God will empower you. And sure enough, that man left town. He was scared to death. No witches convention there. No Satanist convention. Because Idahosa prayed and he used his authority and all those witches left town. So if we just would know that God has placed us here as his representative and represent, y'all. Just represent. Amen? Because he's with us. Amen? Yes, amen. All right, sister. Well, you have a great day, and God bless you. Thank you. You too. It's been a pleasure. It's really been an honor and a pleasure for me. We pray for ministries like yours to be raised up. I didn't tell you that, but it's been on my heart for years for ministries that will want to. Foundation-laying ministries get stepped on a lot, and that's our job. Oh, yes, honey. I've been stepped on, stomped on, and spit on. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, that's our job, we're to boost. We're to boost the other guy. So we're we're strong enough to do it, and we're anointed to do it. And so that, that's what we do. We boost one another. So when it's somebody else's turn, we're glad to give them a leg up and let them stand and, and for their season and then somebody else to help. So it's, we're a growing body, ever-increasing body of belief. So it, it's a good thing that we're involved in. So I appreciate you and love you, my sister. I appreciate and, uh, and love you too. God bless yeah. you. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.